Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. I'm Steve Maletto from Teaching Learning Leading K twelve, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Just like the show you're listening to right now, the opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready, because the learning begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey, Tribe. I wanted to let you know about a very special and limited opportunity to get Google certified this summer. So I have three courses that will be opening the day that this podcast comes out. So on Monday, May 28th, Memorial Day, I have three courses that you will be able to enroll in. So Google Certified Educator Level 1, Level 2, and the Certified Trainer course. And along with that, because I'm for the first time launching all of these courses at the same time, you can also get in on some special deals with bundling. So if you have some goals of working towards getting Google certified this summer, I can help. So whether you just want to get started with level one, or maybe you already have level one and you want to do level two and trainer, totally up to you. But I can help you. Um, I've got tons of free resources, but my courses are all video-based. They are completely self-paced. You set your own deadlines. You move at the pace that works for you. And you can find out more by going to getgooglecertified.com and sort of uh, direct yourself where you want to go based on which certification you are interested in. There's also a free resource that you can download there. That's my free ebook, The Guide to Google certification. So if you don't really know which one you're interested in, that's going to help direct you as well. So check that out. And I want to help as many educators get Google certified as possible because it has done so much for me. I guarantee you it has everything to do with how I ended up on the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. So let me know, shoot me questions and get Google certified this summer. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com.
Hey, Tribe, and welcome to episode 56 of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. And episode 56 marks the end of season two. Uh, so we have been getting together on these little podcast episodes for two whole years for the most part, basically. And um, it has... It's come a long way. Uh, you know, Google tools have come a long way and we have gotten to know so many of you in the tribe and have learned so much from you. And, uh, we're just, uh, hashtag super excited to get to this point. And Casey, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I was hopeful that we would get this far and I'm pretty pleased that, that things have gone the way that they have. Right. I think we are celebrating episode 56, uh, not necessarily as a landmark in terms of numbers, but uh, just as as the end of, a, a, you know, season two. And I think each year we are uh, learning more and connecting more with each one of you. And it, that is truly the power of the tribe, which happens to be something we just talked about pretty recently, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Casey and I got to do a keynote together at the TechSchool conference in Kyle, Texas over the weekend, which was fun. And surprise, surprise, our topic was about finding your tribe. And we, we had all sorts of good things to say about all of you and, uh, and the idea of, uh, bonding together and being better together and everything. And so, um, you know, this is, this is just an extension of that, I'd say. Yeah, that's right. So if you didn't know it, we were talking about you. <laughs> we <Right>? were <laughs> we were sharing about you at TechSchool, um, the Texas Google Summit. And, you know, that's that's where we started and we wanted to connect and learn. And so, you know, I think making making those connections back to um, the idea behind our keynote, you know, really comes back to everything that we've learned from you as well. So we were really excited to share uh, the power of the Google Teacher Tribe. Yes, we were. And since we've got one more episode before the end of this season, this is going to be all about the tribe, isn't it, Casey? It is. So we did this at the end of season one. We really wanted to celebrate the tribe. And so we're going to do that again today. This is all about you. This is all of your favorite ideas, your tips, your tricks, everything that we could fit into this jam-packed episode. Yeah, I'm excited to see what everybody's got. Are you ready to go? Let's do it. All right. So to kick off our Google News and Updates section, if not too long ago, you opened up your Google Drive and you're like, whoa, this looks a little bit different. Um, there were indeed some updates to the user interface within Google Drive. And so if you haven't been able to totally put your finger on it, other than the cool little multicolor new button, which I think is probably one of my favorite parts of all of this, um, Google did release sort of a list of things that have changed. So if you can't totally put your finger on it, here are some of the things that have changed. Um, you've got the logo on the top left is changed to the Google Drive. Drive logo now. And if you have your own custom logo for your organization, it's in the top right. The settings icon is now in line with the search bar. So they did move that just a little bit. Uh, the page background is white. That was one thing that I didn't really notice until I read it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is something that's changed. The new button, of course, is now pretty and multicolor and different. And then the font used for the headers has changed too. So if you've noticed any of these things, now you know 
exactly what that is. And so that's always nice to see whenever, whenever something that we use on a regular basis gets a little bit of a facelift. Exactly. It definitely, uh, to me, has a cleaner and sleeker look. Although um, some of you may be in, in the boat that you just took some awesome screenshots and did some screencasts and now it all looks different. But, you know, that's how fast Google changes. And we're always trying to keep up. Uh, although most things are still in the same spot. It just like like Matt said, it got a little bit of a facelift. I think Google is giving a lot of facelifts uh, to, to some of their products and moving some things around. So, um, you know, we've had little icon changes and things like that throughout G Suite. So uh, not to be outdone, the uh, admins are going to love this one. So it's that time of year when people start transitioning. You've got students who may be graduating and they want their Google stuff to go with them. You've got teachers who may be transferring to a different school district. And I get this question, especially this time of year, you know, how do I get my Google stuff? How do I take it with me before I lose it all? Right. And um, they have just introduced a new tool to export your data in one step. But here's the catch. It is only accessible by a super admin who's actually been created for at least 30 days. So it's it's definitely something that you may have to consult your admin for in order to get it. But it's it's a, a better data export that they're offering. So all of the data from your core services, Gmail, contacts, Google Docs, will be exported for your users. And once that export is complete, you'll receive an email confirmation with a link to your archived data in the Google Cloud storage. So um, that is is something that is going to roll out to all G Suite editions. I believe by the time you listen to this episode, you, you should actually have access to that. And if you want the details, of course, we have a link to the original blog post in our show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 56. Very good. That's always, like you said, good to know at this time of year. Um, so to switch gears here to Google Sites for a little bit, you know, it's been kind of a pain in the past to manually move sites that we created and classic sites into new sites. And thankfully, Google has heard our cries here pretty soon. If you have, if you don't have the ability to do this, hopefully you'll be able to do it pretty soon. There is a tool that you can use to migrate a classic site into a new site. And so this is, this is going to kind of keep you from all of the hoops that you've got to jump through to change over. And so if you want to do that, the easiest way to find out is Whenever you open up your classic site that you want to move over to new Google Sites, you should either look for a banner at the top that says new convert to new sites or a link in the left sidebar at settings, manage site, convert to new sites. And so if you go through and find any of those things, then it's going to be super, super easy to move that over. Um, not every site is totally eligible for that. Sometimes the, the, the support for not every single site has, has come through, but, uh, you know, hopefully if you've got one there, it'll be able to do that and that should save you some hassle. So if you want to move it over to the, the easier drag and drop interface and want to be able to switch it over to the, the new look Google sites, then Google has this nice little tool that you can use. 
Yeah, you know, that took them long enough because when the new sites first came out, we were promised this tool. It, it was in the very first blog post. And so everybody's been begging for it and sort of holding back because they have so much content that it's just way more work to to recreate it. So I, I really hope this tool, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a little imperfect in the way that it transfers, just like anything else, you know, with fonts and things like that and formatting. So I'm crossing my fingers, though, that this is going to be a great solution for some of you. The next thing I want to share has to do with the Google Science Fair. So science teachers, listen up. The Google Science Fair is is going to open again uh, for submissions in 2018. They've created a full library of new teaching materials and exercises to help get the ideas flowing. So whether you actually want your students to participate, which you really should, because it's pretty awesome. Um, there's you know some big scholarships and things involved, and I have seen the winners on the Tonight Show. So I'm just saying it's it's pretty pretty cool opportunity. But uh, this, and I believe it's uh, 12 or 13 and up is the age group, but submissions are going to open in September. So as you're planning for next year, they've got all kinds of sort of a visually driven library here where you can find a problem worth solving, uh, think up ideas and select the best one, explore, and, you know, all kinds of, of different ways to really get students exploring the idea of solving real world problems through the application of science, technology, engineering, and math. What was that? That was STEM, right? Yeah. So it's not just science. We have uh, lots of other things sort of crossing into the idea of science fair. So uh, go check that out and, and, and get all of those free resources for your classroom. Okay, y'all, here comes my favorite part of the episode. We are going to dig into the best tips from the Google Teacher Tribe. And exactly, that means you. So all of the things that you have been sharing with us, and you have been sharing some awesome ideas. A lot of these are Google related. However, there's a few things that have trickled in that also piqued our interest that are not necessarily Google tools, but just things that we think will help you in the classroom. So Matt, what do we have up first? Ah, uh, yes. This first one, I've been playing with this for the last couple of days, and um, I think it has an awful lot of potential. And so this one comes to us from Paul West. Okay. And so that's right. His uh, Twitter handle is PW tech. And, uh, I don't say, I, I don't think I say the W just as well as you do. You've got that, that little extra, you know, Texas finish on it, I suppose. So, um, so anyway, Paul says, I've really been enjoying Wakelet for content, podcast, tweet, you name it, curation. So curation of all sorts of things. He says it's got easy to use Chrome extension and a mobile app too. You can have students use it with their Google accounts. And then he's got a link to a blog post, which we will uh, have available for you in the show notes. And so I've seen some stuff about this around and I, I signed up for it recently. And here's what I love about it. Of course, the Google connection here to get it on the show is that the Chrome extension is key if you're using your, um, if you're using a, like a laptop or a, a Chromebook or whatever. And so I know for me, whenever I am cruising around on Twitter, 
you come across a really great tweet and you think, wow, that's really cool. But just as soon as I scroll past this, I will never see it again. I have lost so many good ideas that I wanted to hold on to because, you know, there just wasn't a super easy way for me to hang on to that content. And I was too lazy to copy it over into a Google Keep note or something. Well, what's great about Wakelet is that once that Chrome extension is installed, you can get a little W button, excuse me, a W button. See what I just did there? You see? And uh, so when you click this button, it allows you to save that tweet to Awake. And Awake is just kind of like a curated group. And so basically with two clicks, you can hang on to those tweets and stick them into these little curated groups. And so um, I've started doing a bunch of that. Whenever I run across something that I really like on Twitter, I'll just save it to Wakelet. And it's been really easy. And if you want to use this in the classroom, of course... Um, you know, anything that, that kids find online that they want to grab and pull into, uh, you know, sort of like a curated list, it's a really great option for that. Yes. And that's a, you know, that's a great tool. Of course, that one started popping up when Padlet suddenly wasn't free anymore and everybody was looking for the the next tool that that has been a big recommendation. So if you're if you're missing your your Padlet, um, you may want to check out Wakelet and uh, take a look at that and Paul's fabulous blog post there. Our next share comes to us from Janice Cato in Saginaw, Michigan. And Janice and I had an interesting conversation on Twitter, and she has left us a, a speak pipe voice message. And Janice, I hope I picked the right one. She was trying to get it just right. So uh, bless your heart. We we love you for, for trying to be concise here. But she has this great little hack for getting new fonts and things into Google Sites because Google Sites, the new Google Sites is a little bit more limited. So take it away, Janice. Hi, Matt and Casey. It's Janice from Saginaw, Michigan. I'm instructional technology coach in three different school districts. I've been working with students on digital portfolios using Google Sites. And one of the things that we found uh, very limited in Google Sites is changing the text font color and size. And so I have a hack for this. What you do is you have students go to Google Draw. And because that's a transparent background, you have the students type their response or whatever they're going to type in there. And then uh, you can change all your colors, change it up. And then what you have to do is you're going to download as a PNG. It's very important that you don't do JPEG. Um, what happens is, is if you do a JPEG, it will change the background to white automatically. And if you do a PNG, it will keep the background transparent. So then you're going to go back to your Google site and you're going to upload your image, your PNG to the Google site, and you'll be able to add a different background so that it looks like it was done on there. Thanks for everything that you do. I look forward to learning some more next year. And I've been an avid listener since the first episode. Thanks. Isn't that a great little hack? So, um, you know, I love the fact, of course, we love Google Drawings, but, you know, how great that is. And you're going to beef up your students' image creation skills and help them learn how to do that. So if they want to create something that's just, you know, exactly the way they want it, they can go make it in drawings and put that into their Google site. Brilliant. I love it. That's great. 
All right. So let's keep moving on here. We have an idea from Stella Pollard and Stella has been part of the tribe basically since the beginning. She's from Frankfort, Kentucky. And so here's what Stella suggests to us. Totally using Google Sites for an interactive journal next year, next school year, which I think is brilliant. She says, so I can share the links with their parents. I also think this will help our students in their reflections. Students can see their Google Calendar, embed their work, and annotate to the side. And if you think about it, if you use Google Sites for that very reason, you start pulling in things that kids have worked on, things that relate to what they're studying. There's so much good embeddable content. It's so easy to pull in Google Docs and slides and sheets and just all of your all of your stuff that you've created out of Google Drive and put it into one place that's visible and that you can share a link to. You can create multiple pages for it to organize. And it's super, super easy for the students to create these sites. So Stella, I think this is a brilliant idea to use Google Sites for an interactive journal. Me too. I love it. I, you know, I think Google Sites has really opened up some new possibilities, especially now that it's so much easier to use. And, uh, you know, with the drag and drop interface, and I think we're going to see more and more applications of Google Sites, like the one that I'm about to share from Caleb Paul. Mm. And Caleb, yes, um, I love you, by the way, because you gave me an example of student work. And I'm always begging people, you know, when you explain something, share student work, you know, give them that public audience. But, you know, also that helps gives up, give us those concrete examples when people are talking about things. And so what this is, is a World Regions Google site. It's for a sixth grade project. And essentially, um, each sixth grade student had to create their own website about a specific region of the world. So there were 16 students in the class and they broke the world map into 16 regions. Now, what's super cool is this. When you go to the web page, which is in our show notes, by the way, you can see a custom map that is embedded. So they have the the pins on the map for all of the 16 regions. And when you click on a pin, you see that there was a website created by, you know, this is, I'm on Northern Europe right now, website created by Anna, and there's a link there to open up her website. So all of those little map pins are links to each student's website. And so you can see everything that they've created, and she's got some interesting information, exchange rates, and all kinds of charts and information about the areas that they studied. So I love this. I think this is a, a fantastic way um, to use Google Sites as well. And I really love making use of the custom map. I think that's a great little interface to introduce that um, on the main page. Yeah, this is brilliant. Um, I know by using my maps, you know, for me personally, I think a lot of times if students can create their own my maps with a variety of different pins with information on them, that's great. But this is a class my map where the entire class has links to all of their different sites off of each individual pin. And so I really, really like that. I think that was that was spot on. So let's keep moving. We're going to, we're going to take one now from Chad Goldman, who is from Indiana, fellow Hoosier here. And so he talks about his journey into gamification. He says, I started a big badge system years ago on paper and pencil to mimic video games, but it was too hard to manage. I can only imagine that. 
this semester, I created an EDU RPG. So EDU education RPG, like role playing game. Uh, using G Suite and tested it out. Good feedback from the students, and he's all in next school year. And so, you know, I think I think this is a, a really cool idea to. I mean, just just in general, if you want to put an extra layer of motivation into class, especially for your kids who are into some form of gaming, whether that be video games or role playing games, you know, like uh, board games or. Um, mobile apps or whatever, they're familiar with the idea of leveling up and of collecting experience points and, and all of those things. And so, um, you know, there's some really neat examples. Uh, I know Carrie Bogham, who is a friend of the Google Teacher Tribe, uh, she was on one of our very early episodes. And she, um, you know, she talked in her episode about how she created Star Warsopoly uh, in her class and how it it was really, really motivating to the, the special needs students that she works with. And so there are tons and tons of teachers that are out there doing really neat things with that. Um, you know, one of my uh, favorite hashtag communities to go to for ideas on that is the XP lap, you know, XP LAP explore like a pirate, um, which is run by Michael Matera. And so if this whole gamification thing sounds good to you, those are a couple of places where I think you can go to get started kind of like Chad did. And you may realize that it is a pretty cool thing and your students love it too. Yeah, definitely check out the resources that, that Chad shared. And, you know, I think the gamification thing has it, hasn't been as buzzworthy as it was when initially, but I think it's sort of mm-hmm. had a deeper revolution, so to speak. And, and people are really finding more meaningful ways to do it as opposed to just, you know, tagging on a badge and things like that. People are creating some awesome uh, resources. So I think Matt, we possibly have a topic for the next season. Uh, Ooh, I think that would yes. make a great episode. And so keep sharing things because you never know. You might make the episode with that. Right. I have something here that I want to share from Robin Seneda. hope I'm pronouncing that correct, Robin. Uh, but she shared on Twitter. By the way, we have a, a link to a thread Um that we posted on Twitter asking for you to share your ideas for this episode. And there were so many in there. We want you to see um, sort of that, that whole conversation and feel free to continue to add to it as well. But uh, so Robin shared something and she said, I want to share my daily agenda board every day. My students can review this link to their daily work with all the links they need. It's sort of taking a mix of the package your digital assignment idea that I shared and, um, of course, she's using my uh, my favorite Swiss Army knife, the Google Slide Deck, to deliver it. And so um, she's got it all in a slide deck, but it looks super cute. It looks like a little bulletin board. She's got everything on there um, from links to projects to uh, links to digital tools and directions. She's got the schedule. She's got the weather. Um, if you are done, you can always. Um, and so she's got a link to you know what you do when you finish early. That was one of my pet peeves to making sure kids knew Mm. what they were going to do. But um, I think this is a really cute application of this. It's one slide. And so it's just, you know, they can access that all year. And I'm sure she makes changes as the year progresses. So thank you so much, uh, Robin, for sharing that. And of course, you can see it yourself uh, in the show notes at googleteachertribe.com slash 56. 
Yeah, that was really cool. Really, really appreciate Robin sharing that with us. Uh, so the next one I wanted to share comes to us from Heather Esposito, and she's talking about using video feedback. And so she says, I started giving video feedback on writing assignments using Loom. Students really appreciate hearing the feedback. And some even kept the conversation going in real time. And so this is, this is really pretty cool. Loom is a, a really easy way to record, to basically record video. It says that it's faster than typing. And, um, so what she does is records this, this really quick video feedback where she's going over the writing assignments and, you know, talks about whatever changes she would suggest, things that she likes and everything, and then shares that video feedback with the students so that they can see it and they can hear in her own voice and be able to see the screen with the, the document on it. And I mean, it's almost kind of like a writer's conference, so to speak, only you do them all at once while, you know, you're grading all of those essays for your entire class and then kids can see them on their own time, which is really, really neat. Um, I've seen some folks do this with uh, something like Screencastify. I know also there's Kaizena that's out there too that does audio feedback. And so if you don't necessarily need the video, you could always highlight a little part of a document and leave audio feedback instead if that's a little more your speed. But Heather, this is an awesome idea. This is something that I think could really, really have a a good impact on lots of classes. Yes, I love that. Of course, the importance of feedback, you know, cannot be undersold here. And what a great right. way um, to leave that video feedback. And there's all kinds of tools that make that, you know, great or audio tools, but helping them hear your voice. I always tell teachers when I talk about Kaizena is um, it could save you lots of time. Or if you're like me and you're extra chatty, it's going to take you longer. <laughs> so um, <laughs> right. It kind of depends on your personality. So it, it could be a time saver or it could actually... Um, But either way, I think it's still worthwhile. So thank you for sharing that, Heather. I have something else I wanted to share since our last episode focused on summer learning opportunities, and we were mentioning ISTE. And so several people actually reached out after that and said, hey, don't forget about not at ISTE, right? So if you're feeling um, a little bit of FOMO here uh, that you're going to miss out on ISTE because it is pretty fantastic, you don't have to feel so bad because you can, of course, follow the ISTE hashtag, which we mentioned, but you can also join a Google Plus community that is called Not at ISTE. And so they're in there sharing the things that are going on at ISTE with all of the people who wish they could be there so that they could learn and, and share the, that information. So that's a Google Plus community. Um, Elizabeth Brandenburg, thank you. She left us a, a speak pipe about that and a link to the community. So if you want to join. And then, of course, not to forget that the hashtag not at ISTE is also something that you can follow and connect with some other people. And I can tell you several years ago, I participated in that and it was, it was fantastic. You know, sometimes you can even go deeper because you're not distracted by all of the bells and whistles and the shiny objects that are happening around you that you can really focus on the content as well. And um, so if, if you want to follow along with all of the things that are being shared at the ISTE conference this year, there are a couple ideas for you. 
Yeah. And I know for me, the not at ISTE hashtag was one of my first introductions to all of that. And it really has been, you know, especially a few years ago when I was kind of getting into all of this, it was really one of the my best professional learning opportunities to get connected with people and learn some of the same stuff that people were learning at this great conference. So yeah, definitely, definitely check that one out. So we've got one more to share with you. And this is a question. This comes to us from Annette Hawkins from Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And she says, hi, Google Teacher Tribe. I teach math and want to mark up homework on the iPad, but I have not found a tool to do so with Google. Google Docs and Keep don't work. Students take pictures of their homework and email it to me. So, Casey, since I know that you do a lot of presenting with um, Google tools on the iPad, I thought you probably had a, a good solution for this one. What do you say? Yeah, this is something that not a lot of people realize. And, you know, naturally, we tend to think that Google's not going to work as well on the iPad. And that's not necessarily true. But uh, there's a, a feature of Google Classroom that works on mobile only that a lot of people don't realize. And so you can actually annotate and mark up homework by using the Google Classroom app on the iPad. And so you can bring up the um, the homework and there's a little edit button and it'll bring up sort of those drawing tools where you can highlight, you can draw, you can you can even you know leave some feedback right there. But um, in terms of what you're asking for, Annette, and marking it up since you're using uh, Google already. Um, hopefully, you're you're give, using Google Classroom and maybe just didn't realize that 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 was a, a feature. So they they sort of slipped that one in, and I don't think everybody knows about it. But it's a pretty fantastic way to to make use of that on mobile. Yeah, yeah, that's a that is a really good one. And you're right. I think for for whatever reason, that one does kind of fly under the radar. So good answer to a good question there. And that wraps up all of our tribe tips. These were good. You guys came up with some good stuff. And again, if you want to catch up with all of the show notes and see everything that's been shared here, feel free to head over to googleteachertribe.com slash 56. Well, Casey, let's get to a couple of blog posts that people can check out, and then we're going to wrap this up. Uh, so for, for me, instead of sharing a blog post, I'm actually going to cheat just a little bit, and I'm going to share another podcast episode, an episode from another podcast. And this comes from my uh, Ditch That Textbook podcast that I do. It's a little short, five minutes a day type of uh, podcast. And recently... I stumbled across a new formative assessment tool, kind of like a new quiz game type of tool. And it's kind of similar to Kahoot. And it's kind of similar to quizzes. And it's called GimKit. And so I'm still sort of diving into this a little bit. But the link we have in the show notes is to a... A podcast episode that I did where I talk a little bit about it. And so GimKit is similar to a lot of those other uh, review type tools that we've used like Kahoot and quizzes and all of those in that there are questions and the students answer them and they're multiple choice questions. Here's the difference is that students, whenever they play GimKit, are earning points, which are are basically like dollars. It's kind of like fake money, so to speak. And what's different about it is that you can collect all of those points and use them in the store to activate power-ups 
to help you earn more points. So now it's not just let's answer questions and see who can get the most points. Now it's there's a little bit of gaming strategy into this too. And so I really, really like it. Um, that It's not 100% totally free. There is a paid version and I think you can get like five kits, which are like the games. You can get five kits for free. Whenever you upgrade to the paid version, it also integrates with, um, with Quizlet. So you can pull in Quizlet flashcards and use those for questions, which is really, really nice. Um, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like four or five bucks a month or something. So anyway, there is that, but I, I've seen some teachers really rave about it. So if you're looking for a new end of the year review, activity or want to try something out over the summer uh, to be ready when school gets back, then this might be worth one worth checking out. That sounds super cool. I haven't seen that. So I'm definitely adding that to my list to explore. So thanks for sharing that, Matt. I um, I just shared a post in the show notes on how to plan an awesome book study. So I'm getting tons of questions right now as people are trying to plan, you know, summer book studies. And even, you know, as you're looking into the beginning of the school year and we do a lot of book studies with teachers and our teams and our departments and things like that. So, you know, I started doing some digging around and we've even had some questions come up on the podcast about tools to support, you know, like maybe using Google Classroom or a Google site uh, and having having those different ways to moderate and share. So I put together, I have to make sure I'm saying that, yeah, eight steps here in terms of, of how to plan a book study and not just throw it together. And I can tell you, I have been a part of many a thrown together book study that didn't have a lot of purpose that the book didn't necessarily apply to me or, you know, it was mandatory. So, you know, helping build in that choice, selecting your leaders, defining your goals, choosing your book and, uh, you know, and then actually, you know, planning out the study and not just flying by the seat of your pants. Oh, yeah, we're all going to read this and we're going to talk about it tomorrow. Uh, you know, really having some meaning behind it to go deeper. And I think that's sort of become a pet peeve of mine as of late is uh, I feel like I have a lot of the same conversations over and over again where people just throw out buzzwords. Oh, yeah, you got to model risk taking. You got to you know, just get the same mm-hmm. answers. But I really mm-hmm. want people to go deeper, um, you know, no matter what it is that they're reading or we're talking about. So I, I feel like a book study is a good opportunity for that. And talking about some platform suggestions on, you know, facilitation, whether that's in Google Classroom, a Facebook group, um, Google Sites. I have Padlet on there. So Wakelet might even be a great one to sort of supplement in there too. Um, you know, Google Google Groups, Google Plus, Goodreads also has some pretty cool features for that as well. And then, of course, you know, some ideas for the facilitation itself and the follow up. I think that's also a huge missing piece in so much of our own professional learning. So so there's some ideas for you if you happen to be planning a book study anytime soon that can hopefully help you with that. Yeah, that's that's so important. I'm I'm with you. I've been a part of those sort of pointless <laughs> kind of unfocused book studies and since there's so many folks who are getting to that point in the year, you know, the end of the school year a lot of times is is a time when those start to come together. This is this is a really good resource, so definitely check it out.
Okay, y'all, that wraps up season two of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. I can't believe it. So, uh, you know, Matt and I have a busy summer uh, planned ahead, and so we we tend to to need a little bit of a break because trying to get us to um, and our calendars to magically align. So it's also just a good time to refresh and, you know, re-energize ourselves. So we're going to be planning and thinking of awesome new things that we want to share with you when we kick back up in the fall. Yeah, and please do be in touch over the summer if you think of something that you'd like to hear on the Google Teacher Tribe or have something that you've discovered or that you're wanting to do, you know, uh, load up that um, voice that voice uh, message queue, so to speak. Uh, load up our email and give us some, some things that you want us to share with the tribe. And uh, we're going to be, like Casey said, kind of planning things out. So we're, we're super excited to, uh, to get that all ready for you when we come back in the fall. And you know, Casey, don't they say, don't they say that absence makes the heart grow fonder anyway? Is that really true? I don't know. <laughs> That's just something know. people say. We'll see if you actually miss us if you come back. But um, if not, just, you know, keep sharing and keep connecting with us online. And of course, uh, you know, leave us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show and help other teachers find the Google Teacher Tribe. But thank you so much for all of your shares and for helping make the tribe about the entire community. We are all better together. Yes, we are. And so until next season, we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power, and may the Googles be with you. So to kick off our Google news and update section of the show today, I'm wondering if you either, hang on a second, I'm going to start this over. Ha ha, there you go, Chris. (laughs) Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.